Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. morning to you. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, a few really important things happened over the weekend. You may be imagining to yourself that some of those few really important things are related to politics. And let me just say that um, that is true, but on a kingdom level. So a few really important things happened over the weekend. I don't want you to miss them because I want I want these to be maybe the seeds of conversation that you plant in the culture today, that these might be the conversations that you cultivate as you walk your faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. You're going to have lots of opportunities today to start lots of conversations about lots of things going on in the world, and a few really important things happened over the weekend. Emma was baptized. I don't even know Emma's last name. I do know I'm going to spend eternity with her uh, in the kingdom of heaven as a sister in Christ. She is, uh, I would guess, by the picture that I saw on Twitter hosted by Pastor Adam Weber, um, I would guess that Emma is six or seven years old. The testimony of her parents is that this child began basically demanding that they take her to church. I want to go to church. I want to go to church. These are not church people. Um, And so in addition to Emma being baptized yesterday— having made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, uh, her mom and her dad were also baptized yesterday, and her sister. Some really important things happened over the weekend that you might have missed. Alex Trebek died. So did Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Uh, Alex Trebek, well-known as the host of Jeopardy for many, many years, died peacefully at his home, surrounded by his family, Um, He's very public about his battle with cancer. He's also very public about uh, his approach to life and his faith. He will be missed. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, chief rabbi uh, for Great Britain for a very long period of time, hugely influential figure in uh, the theological conversations of the last generation and, and the present generation. I mean, his most recent book is just came out this year. He was, um, he was buried less than 24 hours after his death on Saturday. He was buried on Sunday in a very, very modest ceremony. People have been uh, lifting up holy hands, or outstretched hands anyway, to a holy God. People have been seeking God this weekend. Really important things happened over the weekend that you might have missed. Lee Strobel on Twitter celebrated his rebirth day. Do you celebrate your rebirth day? That happened over the weekend. Uh, Lee Strobel was born in January of 1952, but in early November, when he was 29 years old, he was born again. And so this weekend, he celebrated the reality of his rebirth, his new life in Christ. 
Spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, verses 17 to 20. It's a good reminder of who we are and what in the world we're in the world to do as people who are new creations. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God. Emma's now a part of that family. Lee Strobel is a part of that family. I'm a part of that family. Some really important things happened over the weekend. Let's not miss them. All right, we got a conversation coming up with Dr. Zach Jenkins about all things COVID. We have been missing out on those headlines of late, so we're going to do a little bit of catch-up. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Zach Jenkins is back. Welcome back, Zach. Good morning. Good morning. I was just uh, saying to Paul, um, it, the COVID is creeping ever closer to uh, to the reality for some people, like who maybe hadn't known anybody a few months ago who had COVID, and they thought that you know it was over there happening to some other group of people. You know, now it's like my mom's neighbor or my neighbor's friend or my aunt's, you see what I'm saying? Like people are, mm-hmm. almost everyone now has a testimony. So um, talk with us a little bit about where we are in terms of the spread of COVID-19. You know, I think it's really been picking up pretty dramatically in the Midwest over the last couple of weeks. And we're, we're all starting to see, at least in our area, for example, we're starting to see things become more of a reality, reality just like you're saying. I know myself, my, my daughter's whole preschool was just taken out. My daughter's now in quarantine. Um, so it, it's definitely becoming more of a reality. But as far as where we're at with cases right now, they, they're projecting that somewhere um, between now and by February, they're thinking that our total number of deaths related to COVID are probably going to be somewhere between 400 and 500 million uh, or no, 400 and 500,000. Sorry. I was going to say, you're, <laughs> you're about there. to freak me out. Okay. I was uh, yeah. pausing there for I was going to take a deep breath. Half a bi- I was going to be like, whoa, half a billion people. Okay. So, <laughs> That's more than all right. This, in this country, yeah. All um, right. So, yeah. So, um, half a half a million deaths here. You're talking specifically here in the United States. Here in the U.S., that's correct. Yeah. And where we're, where we're looking at right now is we're thinking that the cases are probably going to be peaking somewhere between. Um, at least new cases per day are going to peak somewhere between late December and uh, middle the middle of January. Uh, right in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk with us about the stress that that puts on healthcare systems, and you know, sort of where we are in terms of those kinds of capacities right now. So, so I think one big thing we've been talking about is we had that whole discussion about flattening the curve way back when, and, and really. For most of us in this country, that wasn't something we really dealt with due to how this organism spread. But now we're starting to see this circle back around to that same discussion again, where some systems are starting to already struggle with capacity. There was a data leak from the Health and Human Services, and what what they really showed is all this hospitalization data. A lot of these major metropolitan areas in the country are already sitting at hospital capacities at like 85 to 90% for the, the larger cities. And for ICUs, they're in the 90% in some cases. So like Columbus, Ohio, which is out our way, for example, they were number seven on the list. 
And this is before the flu has really hit. Um, in my healthcare system this last week, we just shared some data and we have had less than five people in our entire system test positive for the flu. Uh, while our COVID numbers in October seem to have dramatically spiked. Hmm. All right. Well, that's fascinating. All right. So can we jump to, I know it's kind of further down on our list, but um, because we're talking about healthcare systems and hospitals, can you talk a little bit about hospitalization death rates? Because there's all these different numbers and rates out there and different things that people are talking about and following. Can you talk specifically about this one? Yeah, so, so really that that's looking at people that have been hospitalized and that have ultimately died as a result of the hospitalization or during the hospitalization. What we're really seeing right now is if we look at everything in aggregate, the, the death rates tend to be relatively low, but most people that are hospitalized are between the ages of 40 and, of course, over 70. Um, those that are over 70, once you're hospitalized, the mortality rate, that death rate is a lot higher. Um, that's where you're talking about, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 30 to 40 percent, sometimes being reported a little bit higher. But with the more younger uh, groups, that's where the death rates are much lower, somewhere maybe between one to five percent. Um, but it's still it still raises a lot of concern when you consider how many people are impacted by that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, okay, I want to talk about um, vaccines. I want to talk about aspirin, and I want to talk about immunity. Can we have those three conversations when we come back? Uh oh, did I lose him? All right. Well, that's what we're going to talk about when I come back from this very, very brief um, interlude. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mornings with Carming. I'm, I, I am talking with Dr. Zach Jenkins, although we're going to have to track him down again. More later. More in a minute. We'll be right back. In the eye of the Continuing my conversation with Dr. Zach Jenkins from Cedarville University. Um, Zach, let's talk about, let's get a vaccine update, and then let's talk about um, aspirin. Find this a curious conversation, and then we can talk about immunity. Yeah. So, so where are uh, we on, on vaccines? Because it's, you know, this is a moving target. So with vaccines right now, uh, with Operation Warp Speed really trying to ramp up the production and distribution of these throughout the country, we have about three different vaccines that are right now in phase three trials, and they're in, the, they're in late phase three trials. And so what they're projecting right now is that probably the first emergency use authorization, which would be sort of a pre-FDA approval, um, they think the first one of those is going to probably hit somewhere between now and January. And so what okay. that means is the first batches of vaccines that are available could be used um, with that emergency use authorization. Okay, and those will be frontline workers and people who are, at, you know, deemed to be in really, really high-risk environments. Yes, that, that's correct. And, that's and not really me they, running out to. That's not me running out to Walgreens. That's correct. What, what they've yeah. really done is they've looked at how they're going to allocate the first batches. The government has been purchasing large amounts of vaccine candidates just so they're ready to actually roll out when they get to that point. Um, some of them will ultimately sit on a shelf because they maybe won't be approved. But what they're using is a modeling system where they can actually calculate or estimate, rather, the impact that vaccines will have on infection rates and death rates with different populations. So 
healthcare personnel are right at the top of the list, and they're assuming somewhere between like a three to four percent reduction in um, the the rate of cases and deaths per 10 million people, which is pretty significant when you do some of the math. And that's that kind of goes down from that list then all the way down to people that are less at risk. So that's why they're kind of approaching things that way. I also think, Zach, that's going to have a, a, a wonderful psychological benefit because we're going to see groups of people vaccinated um, well before the vaccine is just you know made widely or publicly available when people are actually making a decision about when and where to get it um, or whether or not to get it. And so I think that there we will we will see that it's effective and we will see that it's not you know, it has no harmful side effects because there are going to be a lot of people who get it before those of us who are going to make a decision about whether or not we're getting it. And, you know, the FDA has always monitored the side effects related to vaccines. But I think what's really happening now is they're going to be doing it a lot more in real time. Mm. So they're, they're ramping up what that looks like as well. Okay, I feel like the relationship of the um, uh, of the information out there related to blood vessel issues in COVID and maybe the conversation about aspirin, are they related? Because I think about aspirin as being something that keeps my blood a little bit thin. Am I making that up? No, no, you're not making it up. So a- aspirin, apart from being sort of this general anti-inflammatory medication, has antiplatelet properties. And what that means is it decreases the amount of platelets in your your blood that can kind of aggregate together and cause a blood clot to form. So so they think that right now, and this is what they're looking at, maybe aspirin could be useful in preventing some of the vascular issues we're seeing with COVID, some of that microvascular clotting specifically. Um, I think what's worth mentioning is there was a study that was done, and this this was like a retrospective study, which means they're looking backwards at chart data. So there's some bias they can introduce doing that. Um, but, but the study actually didn't see a benefit at that point from aspirin in people that were on it chronically. What they're doing now, though, is they're trying to look at uh, dosing differences to see, like, was it a low dose versus a high dose issue? And they're also trying to look at this prospectively, meaning looking forward where that kind of bias isn't introduced as much. And let's talk about immunity. We've now reached the stage where, you know, a lot of people have had COVID. How long are they immune? And is, can I even ask a question like, how immune are they? No, I, I think those are both really good questions. I think the encouraging thing to mention here is that there was a study that was actually done out of the Mount Sinai health system um, between March and October. And what they did is they looked at 30,000 people who had tested positive for COVID, and then they tried to follow them to see how long maybe that immunity persisted with antibody testing. And so what they did is they measured how much of the long-term antibodies were present uh, to confer immunity. What their findings are suggesting right now is that at least for most people, you're looking at about five months of immunity, which which is a good thing because um, that might get you through the worst of COVID. And the other encouraging thing is COVID kind of mutates slowly. So that immunity may last a little bit longer, potentially. Um, in theory, you, some people are going to have a more significant immune response than others. So they will have antibodies that hang around for a longer period of time. So when people are, I mean, because we do have some cases where the, a person has tested positive for COVID a second time, so the reinfection. Um, are they being reinfected with 
a mutated version of COVID? I mean, in all likelihood, it, it has mutated slightly to some other variety of itself. So that, that's a good question. I, I think what I'll do is I'll draw a distinction between um, someone who might get tested and they come back positive again, and then someone who is symptomatic and they test positive again. So like mm. that would be a true reinfection, right? The other mm. group, sometimes you can keep getting tested and you'll keep coming back positive uh, just because that virus hangs around and sheds for a long period of time. So it's all about that time frame and how people present. But for that group that is actually getting that that reinfection, which is incredibly rare, at least what we've seen so far, um, they are probably getting the same virus. They haven't fared worse. That That's something that's kind of encouraging. And it hasn't lasted quite as long with what we've seen. Okay. So um, it, just in terms of what you are thinking about, um, what what is a COVID conversation that you and I should be having today that I don't is not even on my radar and I don't even know we should be having? You know, I think the biggest thing is uh, just trying to make sure that we're we're vigilant. I know that so much of this was unfortunately wrapped up in the election. Mm. And, you know, for one, just my honest opinion, I, I think uh, you as someone isn't really paying attention if they say that there was nothing political about COVID and how it's been used. Uh, and the reality is this is not an apocalypse. But it is something that we do have to be mindful of. We are seeing more of this spread. The virus didn't go away because the election ended. And I, what, I, what I hope will happen is we'll have less politicization of it so we can have some more real discussions about it. Um, but people are people. So all, all I would say is just be vigilant because this is something that we're we're really kind of stuck with at least for the next six to seven months. Okay, and then, you know, because I like to talk about a random COVID headline that um, makes for maybe a stimulating conversation today, the nation of Denmark is planning to cull 15 million minks, okay, after the coronavirus, I don't know, apparently the little minks have it and they've a mutated version. Um, So really the question that most people are going to want to know is, do you think this is going to drive down the cost of a mink coat for Christmas? (laughs) I'm just looking for some silver lining yeah. related to – well, it wouldn't be silver lining. It would be a sable lining. Looking for a sable mink lining related to this. No? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good question. It might. Uh, I saw that headline. I was a little bit shocked and a little sad for that. I, I'm super sad, right? Did you even know that yeah. there were 15 million minks in Denmark? Like, I don't – and they, I, I, I know. I had no idea. They're and very then, rat-like. You know, I, I read that, and then at the same time, I'm going, well – you know, what's to stop it from getting into another set of animals? What are we going to do then? I don't know. Apparently the mink are highly success, successful. Success, mm-hmm. The word where you, you're, you're likely to catch it. I apparently can't say that word this morning. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get a lot of, I'm going to get a lot of people now, um, uh, mink advocates probably. Um, I have been surprised. This would be one of those surprising things to me. Where where are sort of all of the advocacy people related to all kinds of things? Like I have had more styrofoam containers handed to me and then thrown in the trash and plastic straws and plastic gloves. I mean, the amount of stuff that we used to be hyper concerned about even just a year ago, let's say, you know, the turtles and we don't want have plastic straws. We're going to outlaw them everywhere because of turtles. I mean, the the things that we have become so much less concerned about in covid is going to be an interesting conversation for us to have on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely an interesting side effect. 
Right. The things that we obsess about. And then we're like, oh, yeah, well, this is actually right now more important. Zach, as always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to pray for you and the others on the front lines out there in um, in medical spaces and places caring for people who are sick. Um, thank you for continuing to come and talk with us, even when I bring you headlines that <clears throat> are maybe not expressly in your wheelhouse. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Have a great day. We'll be right back. You too. You want to have a little donkey talk this morning? A little donkey talk. Now, in this political season, you are led to believe that is going to be a conversation about a Democratic donkey. I I am going to have a conversation about a donkey and uh, the donkeys in the Bible and God's agency of donkeys. That's right. We're going to have some donkey talk up next. Lisa Joy Sampson. The book is Saint Is. We'll be right back. All right. It's been uh, a challenging year to this point, and it's not over yet. So we thought it'd be fun during the month of November to just give a bunch of stuff away and bless people. We're calling it the Blessings Bundle. If you're just looking for some encouragement that might include, you know, a book on on generosity, a scripture journal, a gratitude postcard set that's designed to just help you spread encouragement and prayers among those whom you love. Well, we're giving away blessing bundles this month. You can enter to receive one of those at myfaithradio.com. Let this be a month of blessing. We'll be right back. I have three gorgeous grandchildren. Ranging in age from infant to, it's hard to believe, middle school. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. If you're lucky enough to have grandkids, you know the joy they bring into your home. But lest you be tempted to hide out in peace and tranquility of your home, remember this. It isn't a time to sit back and disengage just because your parenting is done. Your role is actually just beginning. Every day presents another occasion to invest in your grandchild's life. I strive to be a grandpa who's ready and interested in the lives of my grandchildren. As grandparents, you and I can make a difference for generations to come. Let's make this the best season of our lives. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. There's always a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can't smile. So Lisa Sampson um, loves a dog named Zeus, wrote about a donkey named Saint Is, and lives on an island called Orca. I think there's That's something going on here. Yes. <laughs> I love so welcome I to the Creative Spirit Menagerie. With Lisa Sampson. I am Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much, Carmen. And and uh, just greetings to you, too, on this early morning. Yes, greetings to you on this early morning. I just think that we should start with um, um, Orca's Island sounds pretty cool. Like, can you actually, I mean, I know that you're not there right this minute, or it would nearly be the middle of the night. But um, But when you are on Orca's Island, can people, can you see orcas from there? Yes, you absolutely can. You now there 
are the boat tours that go out and they're mm-hmm. all in cahoots with each other. So they usually find it's a guaranteed whale sighting, but I have seen them from the shore and doing their playing. It's just amazing. And they're such intelligent creatures. They have an amazingly complex language. They can um, communicate with each other telepathically. So one goes out and finds a school of fish and sooner or later, the rest of the pod comes and feeds. They're amazing, amazing creatures. So I wanted to start there because I feel like the donkey who we get to know in St. Is um, has been uh, inspired in your heart and mind by your interactions and exposure to the uh, the real animals here in the real world, and there's something going on there, right? The, the creatures are in a relationship with the creator in ways that we just get hints of. I totally, yes, you're exactly right. And one of the things that brought me into that vein of existence was when I got my dog. And I would just notice my dog was in communication with things I couldn't see. And I thought to myself, I bet you he sees guardian angels and and all sorts of things, you know, comforting, comforting whatever is there that God sends to us. And so I noticed there is definitely a communication. They have a way of communicating with us. That's nonverbal, but that we know. When I was recording the audio version of Saint Is, I was reading these things before I was recording. I was practicing in my apartment, and I was reading these these lines with this emotion. And some of them are very full of heartache and yearning. And I'm reading them out loud, and my dog is just constantly coming over, <laughs> comforting me because they feel these things that we do, and they feel them deeply. And I. I think that's a gift that God has given animals to support the people that are taking care of them. So it's a two-way situation. So I'm talking with Lisa Joy Sampson. We're actually, it doesn't sound like it, but we are talking about a brand new book and it's called Saint Is. Um, we want to talk about the donkey that is uh, is the main character. Well, I don't know. Is God the main character? Is the donkey the main character? We could have that conversation. Um, But it is available and it is really fun. And it is a Christmas. It's the Christmas story, but like you've never heard it before. So let's um, let's take people into the life of Saint is. And if you want to, um, Lisa, you know, maybe start where the where the book actually starts. Well, the book actually starts with the legend of Balaam's ass. And Mm -hmm. that's a story. If you've been in Sunday school, you know that Balaam was a prophet for hire and he's going to uh, Moab to the king of Moab summons him to curse Israel, who's waiting to enter the land. And so Balaam takes his donkey to go to Moab and the angel of the Lord comes and is trying to tell him, we don't want you to do this. And the donkey is the only one that sees the angel. And so we know the story that Balaam eventually beats his donkey three times. And the donkey finally is like, what have I ever done to you that you should treat me like this? And I love it because it's a she donkey and I could just picture her talking. You know, normally I pictured it as a male donkey. But when I read into the story, I was like, oh, (laughs) This is mm-hmm. a female donkey. This is, sounds like something a female donkey would say. Like, what did I ever do to you? And so 
she delivers the prophet faithfully and she does her job despite harsh circumstances that she's obviously living in, because we can assume this isn't the first time the donkey was beaten by Balaam. And she's rewarded for her for faithfulness in carrying this prophet who still divines the word of the Lord despite his own human frailty, right? His own his own issues that he he is and deals with. And so the angel asks the donkey if she would carry the Lord's Messiah someday. So we have got a very ancient donkey. This donkey has been on the trade routes. She's been grinding corn. She's been a battle donkey. So by the time she gets to Mary's family, she has been observing humanity for 1,400 years. So she has this sense of of instinct that has come into her from this observation and and so she brings to us this ancient wisdom and a little sass along with it because she's not a human. So there's many things about us she just cannot comprehend or understand. I I love how you have extended the Christmas story um, to include the prof, you know the prophecies related to the coming of the Messiah uh, because. That's that is really what you're helping us see is, you know, in celebrating that, yes, there is a donkey that bears bears the Messiah in addition to Mary, who bears the Messiah Um, uh, in helping us see that character. And in and in making Izzy kind of this eternal, I mean, you know, she's she lives a really long time. Like, right. This is a very curious donkey. Um, but it helps us see the Christmas story in the context of God's redemptive plan. And that is that is the Christmas story told in a way that not every child and even not every adult has understood. I agree, because it's such a long plan. And I believe that the patience and the loving kindness of God is it's throughout the ages, right? It's from the beginning to the end. It's from everlasting to everlasting. It's where the East meets the West and the sun rises and sets. And and I believe that this donkey is, she's kind of an everyman put into an animal. And she shows the faithfulness of God. It's a long-standing plan. It's a long, it's an epic story that we're still a part of even to this day, because we are carrying on this story in our lives, in our patience, in our loving kindness, and in our service to the Messiah, who is still with us. Christ's spirit is still with us and in us. And this story is not ending. It is an eternal story. And having this donkey be of such an ancient age and wisdom and and the way she has observed for so long, we can take this inside of us and say, we're continuing this. Yeah, she's, she's so fun. Izzy is so fun. I know that uh, you're wondering right now as you're listening, um, does Carmen have copies of St. Is to give away? Well, yes, she does. So if you would like to uh, enter the drawing for the copies of the book that we have available, text the word book to 877-933-2484. 
Again, you just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Lisa Joy Sampson and I will be right back to talk more about Izzy and St. Is. Continuing my conversation with Lisa Joy Sampson, you can find her on Facebook, writer Lisa Sampson. Sampson is S-A-M-S-O-N. The book we're discussing today is Saint Is, but she has a lot of delightful things that she has written, um, and there's more to come. So can you talk with us just about this project a little bit? Um, We had... Leonard Sweet on the program not too long ago, and he's the one who told us that not only was this forthcoming, but there were going to be other things that would he he whetted our appetite not only for Saint Is but for um, but for a series. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on? Yes, we are working on bringing narrative imagination. So. There are ways to approach scripture. Scripture, like the story, as you know, is pretty high level. There are many gaps in what happened in between things, how people got where they got. And so we are really dedicated for people to insert themselves imaginatively in the story of the Bible, keeping those main points intact but using their imagination. And so that is what Saint Is is about. We have used our imagination and where all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, there's a lot going on in between. So we decided we are going to use our imaginations and tell the story, fill in the blanks in a different way. And one of the things that really predicated the story was we wanted a strong-willed Mary. And that made everything else fall into place with Mary being strong-willed with this donkey that is tired out by the time she gets to her. And Mary is the donkey's champion every bit as much as the donkey is Mary's friend and takes her where she wants to go. And the donkey is a constant friend to her. So the two playing off of each other that sparked our imaginations. And we also know that Mary's family and the people of Nazareth weren't all that keen on Jesus. So we were able to bring a sense of of conflict in her family with her, which also provided a movement for her how she ended up going to Bethlehem with Joseph. So there's a little bit more intrigue. There's a little bit more conflict And in that, I think the story takes on a different kind of depth and an excitement that might be missing, um, that has been missing in some stories up to this point. So it's a little bit more engaging, I would say. Yeah, no, it's definitely more engaging. So St. Is um, says the first book. So there are more. There are. There's going to be three. The second is in progress now in the writing process, and that's going to be called St. As, and it's the story of Jesus's years between uh, his birth and to where he starts his ministry. So there's a lot that we can surmise from Scripture 
And we're going to go into that. We'll go into Egypt. We're going to go into his training, his rabbinical training. Um, you're going to see a Jesus that is far more accomplished, far more worldly in the sense that he had many opportunities and places that he went and learned from, and particularly Jerusalem, that he had a a rabbinical training and became a doctor of the law um, when we're going to go into his ministry years. And so, and that will be the third book, which is Saint Us. Oh, I and love so that. Saint I, is, I Saint as, Saint Us. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm now I'm, you know, now I'm waiting. Now I'm like thinking there should be a box set. Okay. So, but I'll be patient. <laughs> Um, you describe yourself, I really like this, as a free spirit creative. Yes. Um, and yet your spirit is obviously captivated by the word of God and, and the spirit of God. Can you, I, I want to have that conversation because I think we all, we often imagine that genuinely free spirit creatives can't also be Christians. Like, that's just not, you know, they must be some, they're, you know, they're kind of loony. They're out there. They eat a lot of granola. I mean, I don't know. But, um, (laughs) right. So talk with me about, as a Christian, the freedom of being a free spirit creative. Those are not mutually exclusive realities. They are not. And this is why Jesus reached down and pulled me out of the miry clay. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I am surrendered to being as, as you know, Paul talked about being in Christ. Uh, Leonard and I were just talking uh, yesterday about another project we're working on. And he said 166 times Paul uses the term in Christ, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that is the freest spirit we can be because God is not bound by time. He is not bound by so many things we we are or we think we are. And so the freedom we can experience in Christ, the image of God within us as creators, we were born to create, to decide this, to decide that, put them together. We are all creating our life. And we can, when we create our life in Christ and we have been set free, there is only one way to be a creative, and that is a free spirit creative. I want to hang out with you. Yeah, let's. Let's. Right? Let's. Okay. Right. I, yeah, because I just feel like the, the energy, I mean, all of us as Christians are living with this, you know, in this derivative energy, right? We are deriving this energy from from God, and it is awesome, but we're not always deploying it. I mean, I think you think that the, the light under a basket issue is one that many, many Christians deal with. We, I mean, we've been set free, but we're not free indeed. We are, gosh, we are just, I don't know, there's something that doesn't seem quite right about just letting the Spirit just loose and yet we can't bind the spirit and certainly not in any ways that are um, that are appropriate. And so thank you for um, being who you are authentically in Christ in the full freedom of the spirit and then allowing that creative force, the creative force of the creator to use your imagination in a way that is holy and bound to the word of God, but bringing the story forth in a way that I believe um, is going to 
is going to inspire people to examine the life of Christ again. And that's it's so exciting. It's just so exciting. So let me just say thank you um, for the gift of you being with us today. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for the gift of Saint Is, and I can hardly wait to un- unwrap Saint As and Saint Us with you. Oh, thank you, Carmen. This has been a true joy. So many blessings on you and your work in Christ, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That is Lisa Sampson. Check her out. You can check her out on Facebook, writer Lisa Sampson. The book is Saint Is. I have copies to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. I'm hungry and I'm ready for change. I run too far to still be the same. Tell a story today. Tell the best story and tell it in a way that captivates the imagination of another person. Um, There are people who have lost their sense of awe, and God is awesome. He is the creator of all, and he is magnificent. He is glory. Um, So we know the stories. We know the story of a prophet vomited up on a beach by a whale. Like, tell that story. That's a story of redemption. We know uh, a fiery furnace story. We know a story of God setting a rainbow in the sky and a, a guy named Noah. I mean, we know redemptive stories. Let us tell them today in a way that honors God and points to Jesus and captivates the imagination not only of ourselves, but captivates the imagination of others. Like, let's get out there today and tell a better story. Tell the very best story. Use the characters that God offers us up in Scripture and then put yourself in God's hands. Be an instrument of His story today Um, because people are literally dying to hear it. A lot of things happened over the weekend. Some people came to Christ. Others died outside the faith. Let's see if we can be people who walk our faith out into the world that God so loves today in ways that catch the attention of others and make them wonder about who he is. Wonder and awe and imagination and glory. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.